Welcome to the 1000 Experiments Club podcast. It's your guide to building a culture of experimentation. Our goal is to bring you all the lessons and insights from the leading experts so that you can shortcut your way to creating successful experimentation programs. This podcast is brought to you by AB Tasty, a solution that helps businesses improve their user experiences through experimentation, personalization, and feature management. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of A Thousand Experiments Club. My name is Marilyn Montoya. I'm the VP of Marketing at AB Tasty and really excited today to have our guest, Ruben DeBoer. He is a lead CRO manager and a consultant with over 14 years of experience in data and optimization at Online Dialogue and Conversion Ideas. He's also a teacher with uh, Udemy, teaching over 12,000 students, and is a public speaker on topics such as experimentation, change management, CRO, and personal growth. Ruben, so happy to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and thanks for the great introduction. <laughs> so Ruben, a bit um, before we dive into all our talking points, really excited to get into all that. A little bit about yourself. How did you find yourself in this space? Yeah, good question. Nice question. Um, as you said, I've been in this space for over 14 years. I think started about 2008. I was working for a, a company, which later became a partner as a marketer, especially focused on online marketing, because that's what I like the most. It was a company aimed at coaching, uh, personal growth coaching. So confidence, uh, okay. social skills, happiness. And I was the marketer there working on the website, trying to grow the business. Um, and it really sparked my interest in, in, in personal growth in human behavior and optimization. And also did some experiments there as well with, with ads, with ad channels, some landing page experiments, just a little bit, uh, nothing close to what I do today, but it really sparked my interest. And later when I learned more and more about conversion rate optimization, obviously combining the, the optimization, the human behavior and the data drivenness that automatically led me to a wonderful career in, uh, experimentation and conversion rate optimization. That's great. I, I love to hear these stories about, you know, how people in this field began, because a lot of the times, you know, it, it started years ago through digital marketing. It wasn't really a, a thing at that point. It wasn't a discipline. Like people didn't really talk about CRO. It didn't really exist no. as much. I mean, it did, but it wasn't, it didn't have a, such a following and such a such a recognized activity as it is today. And, you know, it started with media and, and media testing and, and optimizing our, our advertising strategy. So very cool that uh, you stayed in this, you know, field and you developed along with it, I imagine, because 14 years, that's a big evolution uh, from where you were and where we were as a, as a world in terms of our behaviors online 14 years ago. And now, I mean, it's, it's, I, I think that if we, were to look back 14 years ago and say, hey, we're going to have this in 14 years. I don't know what we would have thought at, at that point. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. And I never expected experimentation, optimization, also personal growth to play such a tremendous role in my life. And I think like still yeah. personal growth is so important for uh, people in our, our space because, yeah, well, just to set up and, and analyze an A-B test. You, I mean, you have to be an analyst, you have to be a designer, you have to be an ex-researcher, you have to be a psychologist, some even uh, have to be developers. They have to do everything yeah, themselves. And that's just the hard skills. And, and you know, we, we, uh, we also need a lot of soft skills like educating our colleagues, coping with resistance, keeping a positive mindset when things get frustrating and, and a lot of people resist. Um, so continuously work on your hard and soft skills in our line of work, thus the personal growth part is still so incredibly important. 
That is a really nice segue, actually, because I never thought about it, but it does make sense, especially when we're talking about, and now we're diving into the culture of experimentation, you know, what, what we need to set up internally in order for these initiatives to be successful. And personal development is very a very key part of that because we have to change the way that we relate to work, the way that we relate to making decisions, the way that we feed our own sense of accomplishment as well. Because I think that, you know, in our typical models about, you know, manager gets promoted and then, you know, you make more decisions and you're responsible for more decisions. How do we change that dynamic into it's more about asking the right questions instead of like knowing the right answers. And so it's interesting how changing that can actually be critical to being able to transform the organization. And I'm sure you, you have many more insights on that. No, absolutely. I, I fully agree. And you know, it's sometimes going to be really frustrating our work. You start with a lot of motivation, energy and confidence at, at a, with a client or with a new job. And you're so excited to get started, find those first A-B test winners, uh, promoted to, to the organization. But then quickly, you can find out that things are pretty frustrating. There, there are silos, there are structures that, that prohibit for, well, nice, good, high-quality experiments. And that's, of course, where you need to yeah, use soft skills, uh, motivate your colleagues, explain experimentation. And that helps you, those skills help you to create a healthy experimentation environment and thus do what you love and what you're good at. So absolutely vital. Yeah. And so I think that what's interesting there as well is how you can highlight based on your experiences, what are the typical roadblocks that you see? Because it sounds like, well, you mentioned one about silos, but like in the customers that you work with and the companies mm -hmm. that you've seen and in the, in the places where you've been, where there's this excitement about uh, launching experimentation programs and then everyone, you know, the, the champions of the experimentation and they probably reach out to you or you start working on these projects. What, what are the typical pitfalls that you see or that you have seen? Um, when when trying to launch uh, these programs internally, yeah, it's 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 the biggest. I think the biggest pitfalls uh, happen with the companies with uh, with a lot of legacy. They've been doing okay. the same work for 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 many many years, and now you uh, come in as an optimizer, as an experimenter, and you start telling that they should do their work differently. That of course <laughs> results in some sort of resistance. Another thing yeah, I sure. often see is the outcome uh, outcome versus output mindset. When a company is still very much in the output mindset, meaning uh, we have to deliver an X amount of sprint points per sprint, and we have to release so many new features uh, this year, then of course, experimentation can be seen as something that slows it down, right? Because well, let's say rule of thumb, 25% of a beta or, or experiments results in a, a winner. So 75% of what we built will not be released. And that means exactly. the manager does not get the, the output goals and thus not get this bonus at the end of the year. Um, whereas when mm -hmm. it's outcome, when, uh, when the outcome is to help customers and through that grow our business, uh, so outcome metrics, then it makes much more sense to experiment because we don't want to make changes to our digital products if there's a chance that it will hurt the outcome. We only want to make those changes to our digital products that will increase or improve the outcome. So the outcome okay. versus output is another uh, thing I often see at organizations. 
That's so interesting. Yeah. So we talk a lot about, about OKRs and KPIs and these kinds of things. But it is true that, I mean, I mean, when, when you look at product teams and roadmaps, a lot of that is, oh, we have to deliver this, yeah. we have to deliver that. And there is, there is data behind it. I mean, hopefully there's been some research about why yeah. you have to develop this or that feature. But it, it, it would be interesting, for example, to just, just focus on the KPIs themselves and let them drive. You know, the way the experimentation has developed as a discipline where you, you're making educated hypotheses as well as, okay, I think that we should, this is a problem area, or this is an area we have an issue. We can improve this. We don't know how to improve it. That's why we're testing it. But yeah. we know that this is an area where we, we need to improve. And I think that is a more interesting way to develop your product or develop your website. Um, what do you think about that? What do, what do you see like product teams that are succeeding doing and those that are struggling? You know, what, what's the difference there? Is it is it that or? Yeah, it's very much that. And I, it's a good topic you uh, touch up on here because it's something yeah. I've seen over well, maybe the last one, two years in the more mature markets when it comes to experimentation. You know, we used to start, yeah. I mean, our, our, like, like we said in the beginning, our work is constantly changing. And, and we used to start as a CRO specialist, somewhere in the company mostly marketing or a CRO silo and now we see I see more I receive more and more questions from from clients like how can we embed experimentation in the product teams or how can yeah. we do CRO throughout the whole marketing uh, journey uh, using yeah. personalization as well so especially for products I see there a trend as well that, that experimentation is moving more and more in towards the product teams which is absolutely fantastic uh, which means our line of work is more maturing. We get interesting cases and we get to help products instead of just helping marketing and increasing conversion rates. So there's definitely a trend there. And I think it's very valuable that we, with our skills and our mindset, can really help create better products. That's interesting. Would you say, therefore, and, and you know, we've been seeing also on our side this trend of having experimentation be part of product teams, be more embedded in product, product team processes, is, is the roadmap as we know it dead? You know, <laughs> I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, I see, see less and less roadmaps that are, that are set for a full year or so. I've worked at a, uh, one of the biggest uh, news websites and apps in the Netherlands for many years already there. There is no long-term roadmap, which is in the beginning kind of scary for the high management be because they yeah. don't know what is coming and, and, and they don't know what the product will look like a year from now, but it was all based on research and experiments and that, and that works wonderfully really well. And I think that's why they maintain their top position in the market. And I believe that, that it's vital for other companies to adopt such a way of working because it's, it, it yeah. helps create better products and better business outcomes. Yeah, it's very interesting. I think, um, what I where we're seeing experimentation as well. I'm not sure if you're seeing it on your side, uh, Ruben, but we we've been seeing it kind of split up into different categories where these product teams are focusing on. Okay, let's let's improve what's there. So let's focus on the problem points. Where let's look at our data. Let's look at where people are dropping off. Let's look at where people are spending less time. Where do we want them to spend more time? Is there a reason they're not spending time there? Is it not useful? Where are they spending a lot of time? Can we learn from that? And you know, trying to optimize what's existing. And then yeah. on the other hand, on the other side of that, making big bets, like like doing something very different, like trying to innovate. Well, not every company is doing this, but I think those that succeed, they, they try to maintain this healthy balance between 
like, oh, the optimization part. And then the, okay, let's take a risk. But they do yeah. it in a way where they're using experimentation. They say, okay, like we think this radical new feature, radical new thing might be groundbreaking, but we're not sure. We're just going to, you know, make an educated guess and, and use experimentation to kind of test it out and see whether it's worth investing in it. Is that a way you're also seeing or how, how are you seeing the experimentation from your point of view and, and the product teams that you're seeing? Yeah, um, I mostly agree with what you just said. Um, indeed, we see things that exist and that give that to an optimization team and they can optimize what is already there. It's likely that that it works for the company, use, uh, people use it, uh, so they have sufficient traffic and they can optimize that part of the, of the product. But indeed, there's also the innovation, the new features, the new products. And I see more and a higher, higher demand for experimentation there as well. That said, it's not just experimentation there. What, what happens in the beginning there is that they very fast want to create an educa educated cast about opportunities and solutions and want to really fast go through those solutions and see what is a good thing to build, start building. And A-B testing experimentation can in that, like in the very beginning, be seen as something that takes too long. Um, you already have to build something, oh, you see. have to let it run or a couple of weeks, then you have to analyze it. So it probably costs you like a month, at least if you have to build something big. So what I see okay. more and more there is for instance, UX research, continuous interviews with people. And when it becomes okay. more and more reasonable that, 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 that the uh, opportunity or solution for an opportunity seems viable, that's when they start okay. doing, well, start with smoke tests, start small A-B tests, and then the big experiments. And before it's released, it's gonna be, of course, a, a general experiment. Um, but before that, the research we do, which we do in converse rate optimization, because converse rate optimization also doing research, not just A-B sure, testing, sure. is sure. very valuable there. And the knowledge we have about asking questions, the different forms of user research, testing prototypes, usability testing for clickable demos, just quickly validate ideas, possible solutions before it actually gets to A-B testing experimentation. Okay. So for the, for the innovation part, you're leveraging more of the research uh, the research part, which makes sense. I mean, I think when developing ideas, a lot of those ideas are coming from that research. And then I do, I do understand the quick and dirty. Let's like, let's just bake something up. Like we want to get it out there. We want to test it as fast as we can. Let's use our research to justify going forward with this risk, this big, you know, we like to call them big bets. Yeah. You see the experimentation later on when they want to build it out more or when they're testing where they want to Roll it yeah. out to who they want to roll it out to. I imagine, yeah. Yeah, if if a good if it can really make a good educated guess based on quick research, uh, that's when they yeah. maybe start building MVP or do a smoke test yeah. to quickly to then validate if it's uh, viable to keep building the product. Interesting, yeah. And um, just out of curiosity, have you seen in many of your the, the companies that you work with have teams that work together? on experimentation. For example, what we see sometimes on our side, and it's part of the complexity, it's part of the challenge, but it's also part of if you manage to address this, you end up setting yourself up for, for short-term and long-term success mm -hmm. and is aligning teams internally. So, you know, having a company, for example, that has a growth team where they're up, they're focusing on acquisition, let's say user acquisition or visitor acquisition, they're yeah. optimizing their channels, they're optimizing landing pages, et cetera. 
Then you have maybe a CRM team or a user team, you know, that's focusing on getting, you know, those customers that, that are return users or return buyers, et cetera. And then you have, of course, like product teams, right? Because yeah. depending, depending on your business and your service, you might have an application like a mobile app, a native app, or you might have different channels like you, you might have a desktop website and then a native app. And what comes to mind is our, you know, travel services, you know, like air travel or train travel or hotel booking sites. You have, you know, the website version, and then you have a, a, an app. Have you run into examples of this where you see different teams and can you speak a bit to that complexity that you, that, that exists there? Yeah, I mean, in the ideal situation, you do have uh, teams working together, cross-functional teams as well. I think it still can improve in a lot of organizations, but I see it happening more and more. As my biggest client, uh, there's now also uh, direct mailing, email marketeers and, and social media marketeers and ad marketeers together with the CRO uh, specialists from 12 different product teams. And that's oh, wow. absolutely perfect for, for knowledge sharing. And they can learn so much from each other and they really learn what works where in the customer journey and on the product itself. And that's really beneficial for the whole organization. And that's something really wonderful to see. Another client of mine is like the, the, the marketing of the, of the city of Amsterdam and both them and the municipality, they have the goal to spread visitors more through the uh, city instead of just having a stick in the, in the city center or, well, you know, Amsterdam. So I'm sure you've experienced a lot of tourists yeah. there. Um, and that's a collaboration <laughs> yeah. between several uh, organizations and teams, actually, to see how we can motivate people using, for instance, data on how crowded it is at a certain place to see how we can motivate people to spread out through the city and a metropolitan area. And mm -hmm. there's also multidisciplinary teams, even from different organizations working together to accomplish this goal. So I think it's absolutely vital and, and very beneficial for teams to work together and, and have multidisciplinary teams and learn from yeah. each other. Yeah. And so for example, and it takes a lot of collaboration. So we take your example, which is interesting there about um, a CRO specialist working with the email marketing team, the CRM team, the acquisition teams, um, social media, or, or, you know, advertising. What type of internal organizations have you seen, like in, in terms of the structure or the processes internally? Would it mm -hmm. be someone from the website because 12 products that's a lot uh so i can imagine the, the complexity and the collaboration and the, the knowledge sharing is there a point person that kind of syncs with other teams and make sure that they 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 share updates or share roadmaps on right. plant on experimentations or updates just updates on experimentations or feedback or results of tests how do, how do they actually manage to collaborate yeah, nice question. So, so the we said CRO specialists, of course, they're experimentation specialists because they're in the product teams. Uh, they work together with the other uh, experimentation CRO specialists uh, from different channels, and they are in the t in their product team, and their manager is the the product manager. But there's also a experimentation center of excellence consisting of an experimentation lead, two data uh, specialists, and a UX uh, research specialist. And they, first of all, support all the different experimentation specialists throughout that organization. But they also uh, ensure that we have biweekly meetings where we discuss results and insights and learnings together. I'm a consultant there from Online Dialogue, and we give trainings and workshops to all those specialists combined. So they have higher quality experiments and they learn together and grow together. Of course, we also have a Slack channel where we can ask for feedback 
to each other. And it, it's a really popular Slack channel amongst all those specialists. So there are a lot of things in place to yeah, help the team grow, uh, but also team building activities together. I mean, we, we, they have all different managers, but they kind of have the same role, running experiments, improving products, improving marketing. Uh, so yeah. we do team building activities as well, which could even be going to conferences together. We, last year, we even spent a night in the South of Netherlands with the online dialogue team and that whole experimentation team just to do some uh, fun stuff to get the team feeling, team motivation. And of course, some specialists have resistance in their teams, but just because there's this good team vibe, team motivation, everybody helps each other, everybody stays positive. And that really yeah. works for the results. That's amazing. So what it sounds like there is just it's a very mature internal process. So it seems like you have point people that are experts in experimentation in very specific teams. And then they're coming together, having these biweekly meetings, sharing insights, sharing their results to test and potentially in inspiring each other on, oh, yeah, this worked on our side. We addressed this. This was the result and potentially another team saying, oh, yeah, this is an interesting lead in terms of a, a ideation for an experiment. That's really, really, uh, really cool, Ruben. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cool. And we also, they also get trainings for stakeholder conversations, for instance, coping with oh, resistance, how to promote experimentation, how to present data, how to educate their teams. So it's a full program uh, for all the specialists there. So that's interesting. I think that part you just mentioned there, dealing with friction within their own teams and, and stakeholders. So in getting everybody together and sharing their experiences, they help each other with also the, the human problems right, around, around aligning and convincing and, and educating, which is a big part of changing the way that products are built, right? Um, exactly. And it's again, ties back to creating that healthy, safe experimentation environment. So we can do what we love and thrive with what we love instead of only doing small experiments, having a lot of resistance. It's all creating that healthy experimentation environment, uh, which makes it a happy workplace and you get the results you want. That's, that's great. And Ruben, you, you talked a little bit about uh, helping these, these teams experiment better. What are some tips or strategies that you know that are important or that can be helpful for those, uh, those individuals running experimentation programs to help them do better experiments? What, what do you usually give as advice or what are some common areas of, of focus or improvement that can help experimentation teams? I think it very much depends on the teams and the situations and the maturity of, of the organization. Like in the beginning of a CRO team, you can have them run a lot of small, low quality experiments and step-by-step -step optimize from there, but just to get them the mindset and go through the process several times, whereas in, in this particular client, it's just optimizing the, the skills they already have. So, so better building better hypothesis or based on better research, learning the more data stuff like sequential uh, analysis, false positive analysis, advanced statistics. Uh, so it's really different per, per team and per organization, where you should start, it really depends on maturity. What we also did for us a culture scan. Uh, we have yeah. a scan based on scientific research on this culture. So we send questionnaires to the product teams, to the specialists, to their managers to analyze what's the culture like. Do they have sufficient autonomy? Do people accept experimentation results? And from there, we had conclusion how to improve the culture. And we had workshops and specific actions set out for that as well. So it really depends on the maturity in the team and the skills of the team, of course. 
Well, Ruben, I think you hit a really interesting topic there, which is maturity. And uh, I really like what you said there because talking about the type of research or more research or, or making better hypotheses, there is a potential improvement there in figuring out how do you make a better hypothesis? What is the research that you haven't consulted or looked into or what types exactly. of, yeah, what type of research haven't you not included in this, in this analysis that may help you to develop a better hypothesis? So that's a really interesting point. I really like what you said about surveys too and questionnaire to the teams to feeling how autonomous they are how much they accept experimentation because i think that can be that's something that i've never heard of i've never heard someone you know doing before but it makes absolute sense because it can really tell you how able the team is in their current state to adopt to this adopt exactly. these, these new strategies it's so interesting yeah no i i i think that also we need the mindset that our clients for experimentation within our organization are our colleagues. So we can apply the same practices, right? We can yeah, interview sure. them to ask how they see experimentation. We can ask them how experimentation can help them achieve their goals. We can ask them how they would like to be involved. We can we can send surveys to them and, and we, we can apply the same principles as we do with the customers on our digital platforms. And yeah. therefore also set out a a, a flexible roadmap on things you initiatives you can set out in your organization to create that experimentation environment. That's that's great. So so you have and and then you you mentioned that part and you also mentioned the statistics which of course the more you know mature you get the more sophisticated you can get you have to understand the statistics talked about sequential testing post test positives uh you know these kinds of things so so you do need more data science and more at least more statistic statistics understanding to be able yeah. to you know take the next step so uh potential potential investment there so if if we maybe summarize those those pillars and and let me know what you think would you say a good way to analyze the maturity of a company would be indeed company culture yeah. okay. so indeed the, the, the mindset yeah. uh, regarding experimentation organization yeah. structure i mean is there a zero silo or are the zero specialists throughout the, yeah. the different product teams yeah um, how's decision making being done by leadership is it based yeah. on on hippo decisions or fully based on experimentation and indeed the outcome first sure. output mindset Do you yeah. have the scope and alignment of experimentation the team, who is in the team? Is it just a single Who's zero a specialist or a multidisciplinary team? Indeed, the data quality, tooling, automation, and of course, the process. What does the process look like? Is it just a single zero process or is it a process embedded in the product team? So, so process, data, team, scope and alignment, company culture. That's what I generally look at when I assess yes. the maturity of an organization. When it comes to creating seamless, personalized customer experiences, marketing and product teams need to launch and test quickly. But how often is this really possible? AB Tasty's digital experimentation platform puts these teams in control, enabling them to set up tests in minutes with minimal coding needed. With AB Tasty, teams can spend more time validating ideas, maximizing impact, minimizing risk, and accelerating time to market. Give it a try and see why over 1,000 businesses around the world use AB Tasty. So let's move on to maybe a slightly different topic. I know that, uh, you know, you've seen a lot of evolution over the last couple of years. And uh, a big topic is, you know, if companies want to launch experimentation, they understand the value, they understand they have to change the way their processes are created and implemented. 
but there's so much change management there, right? So this yeah. is the key word, change management. Can you tell us a little bit about how you're working on helping these companies manage the human part of this? Because this is a big part, a key to success. Yeah, very, uh, very good point. I think change management for me is twofold. Uh, one is come from higher management that implements a change where a big plan uh, has been made. Uh, the other one is applying change management tactics, which is very much related to convincing persuasive, finding win-win situations, stakeholder conversations, helping people adopt experimentation. And I think in the later, the change management tactics, that's where we really can uh, learn a lot. Again, the soft skills mainly to create that experimentation environment and, and do what we love, which also entails to, instead of telling people what to do and giving advice, it would be more like listening, asking questions, finding win-win situations and helping them again, achieve their goals with experimentation instead of just pushing them to experiment more and trying to accomplish their own goals. How do you convince those higher ups? I think that's, that's one of yeah, the yeah, biggest yeah, yeah. challenges, right? Is the leadership, get them invested. Um, is it by showing them experiments that have been positive and showing them the possible results? Well, then they become, they, you know, they become very ROI focused, which is not a hundred percent of the objective of an experimentation, right? Which is the pitfall. A lot of yeah. the times, uh, you know, oh, we need to get positive tests or like tests that show results. But uh, is that one way to at least get them uh, excited about it? Yeah, of course, this is a question uh, I get uh, I get very often. And my answer is always, yeah, it, it again depends. And you have to you have to experiment. I mean, if there is somewhere uh, a, a higher level manager or a director of the board that is already enthusiastic about experimentation, yeah, just get, try to get a seat with him at the table, maybe through a colleague who's close to that person and, and sit with her in a room and, and discuss a plan and, and see how you together can get experimentation higher on the agenda. That would be the best situation if there's already someone who's enthusiastic about it. In other situations, test their ideas to show them why experimentation is so important. Uh, and hopefully their ideas result in a, a big, big losing test because that's when they really <laughs> start understanding. Or ask someone close to the board of directors if they have contradicting ideas within their team. And I mean, if, if, if they have an idea which is worth discussing with their salaries, then it's definitely worth testing. So you can test contradicting ideas from higher manager uh, and show them the results. And at least some people will be surprised and everyone will understand why experimentation is important. In other cases, if you really cannot reach the higher management, of course, you need their support. There's so much, so much you can do without their support. But what I, for instance, did for, for several clients is uh, motivate the team, get the team on board, get great results with experiments and of course with the whole research part with the whole process and then a bus starts happening within the organization and at least one board member will get curious about what's happening there and and finally listen to your story for one client for instance we had a big idea competition with with nice prizes with with an individual yeah. prize a team prize department prize and we had a competition for a month and we got lots of ideas and a lot of buzz started happening around those experimentation ideas. And it was an internal big competition. And of course, that draws the attention of the board of directors, who you can then have a meeting with and, and discuss why experimentation, why, why outcome-driven working, why data-driven working is so important for the organization. And then we'll get it higher on agenda. And it will not get you to an experimentation culture overnight. But step-by-step, step, you can at least grow a little bit in uh, maturity as we just discussed. 
That's such a wonderful idea, actually, having everybody play the game and see, okay, let's see what the outcome is. And I bet the outcome surprises a lot of people, which is the beauty of it uh, as well, to show that actually a lot of the ideas that we have aren't necessarily the right ideas. I mean, it's good to have ideas, but it's also important to to test those out. And so I guess that's a really interesting way to get you know upper management involved, to get them active in the, participating in the process. Yeah. And again, this works for this client. So you really have to use the same mindset of experimentation with, within your own organization. I mean, for, course, for, some, yeah. for some clients, it works really well in the early stage of maturity to show a data dashboard. For instance, at the entrance, then people see data several times and they get curious and they become more data minded. In other organizations, sure. people, people might look at the data, draw uh, the wrong conclusions and act upon those conclusions. So it won't work there. Um, so again, yeah, use the same mindset and experiment within your organization to see what sticks and what doesn't stick and what works. That's interesting. Yeah, so it's a, it is it is based on where you are in terms of on the spectrum of data driven and you know the culture that you have at your company and then what's going to appeal to those individuals whether it's data dashboards or or specific tests. So great information there. Thank you so much, Ruben, because I think that, you know, the change management brick is, is the hardest. I think it's, it's, a, it's an abstract one where it's not necessarily clear how you should go about it. Um, but I think the ideas you shared were very interesting. And, you know, I think people can try different things, you know, finding the champion internally, reaching out to those higher ups and saying, hey, do you want to participate in this company-wide experiment? Or here's a data dashboard. Let me share some information with you about what we've done all different ways to get people to buy in, to get interested in what's happening. Very cool. Yeah, and you can just get a group, your team or, or, or experimentation enthusiasts together and together brainstorm ideas on how you can involve and, and, and make more colleagues enthusiastic. It's a fun process. And I think the process is geared here as well. We have a process for experimentation on our digital products. So ensure you also have a process for, for initiatives within your company. To, to motivate colleagues, to help teams and to get more teams uh, on board. That's great. So moving on to another topic. Okay, so we talked about experimentation, the culture of experimentation, collaboration internally, change management. I wanna talk about a new topic. And I think this is you know something that everybody's talking about right now is AI, right? So with uh, ChatGPT, OpenAI, or the whole generative AI, a wave that we're seeing right now, it's incredible. In a few weeks, I feel like it's just exploded. Over a month, yeah. you just have these, you know, hundreds and thousands of apps that have been released. And, yeah. uh, there's so many changes happening overnight. It's incredible. I think even ourselves internally, we're sitting every day and saying, hey, how can we use this? How can we become more efficient? How can we generate better ideas? How can we work more collaboratively? How can we spend more time doing a task that add value, you know, and, and helping and having AI really be that, that support. How can we start thinking about AI and experimentation? Because I think clearly being data-driven, looking at research, researching, developing conclusions, hypotheses, I mean, there has to be a, a way to leverage AI there, no? I think there, there's so many possibilities here. And again, it's a change in our ever-changing line of work. But apparently, like yes. you said, this this one is is huge if you compare yeah. to uh, AI one year ago, and, and now the differences are extremely big. I've had it's, several it's brainstorm enormous. sessions, uh, LinkedIn poll, and several discussions on how we see AI can can help. And 
it seems like AI can really help at every step in, in the experimentation process. And not maybe not right now, a lot of things are not perfect yet. And of course, you have to take into account the privacy of, of the, how the AI currently is. But given the enormous space of, of AI, yeah, I'm very curious to see where we are a year from now. And you can think of basic things like, like analysis survey, uh, review analysis, uh, chat log analysis, but also maybe at one point data analysis. These quickly come to mind because that's what we do and consumes a lot of time. Coding of experiments, maybe designing of experiments. Uh, but why, why I'm personally, what I'm very much looking forward to is to have an AI run my mate analysis. So I, I do everything with my clients in, in Airtable, for instance. We have a huge database there. And, you know, if you tag right and you say, we use this psychological strategy, we use this overarching hypothesis, you do get mate analysis and a good idea of where you are successful with what kind of experiment. But it would be so nice to have an AI go to 100 experiments on the product detail page with all the results and all the learnings and just ask the AI, what did I actually learn and what would be good follow-up experiments on that? Um, that would be enormously interesting to have an AI uh, run through all the experiments in the, in the database. That is incredible because this is something that is less spoken about, I think, you know, when we're talking about experimentation, I know that I've talked about it with colleagues, with other thought leaders, one of the kind of neglected parts sometimes, and I don't know what you think about that is the knowledge sharing and the yeah. accumulation of knowledge, which is so huge. And I think sometimes undervalued that it's not just running the experiment in the short term and having the results in the short term. It's the way that that scales once you start accumulating all those tests and you're able to, to derive major yep. insights, major conclusions about what works, what doesn't work, why does it work? Can we imagine, you know, can we develop, as you said, more tests based on this idea? And I think that's a very interesting way to leverage AI because the tests are intricate. Uh, there's a lot of data there. If you're really experimenting, you have, you know, tens, maybe hundreds of tests, thousands of tests, depending on the size of your company and the number of teams you have testing, it would be incredible, yes, to, to get all those tests. And as you said, like all the tests on a product page, for example, um, get all the tests from a, a specific area of your website or the funnel or, you know, all these different areas and say, okay, what have we learned? After running 200 tests, what have we learned from, yeah. from, you know, consumer behavior, visitor behavior, user behavior? So yeah, that's major. Very yeah, interesting. So it's, so it's twofold. It's twofold. It, it, AI might save time at a lot of steps in the experimentation process, and it might come with a lot of new innovative solutions like the meta analysis, but also perhaps on the, on the, on the research side, maybe we can, based on all the input we give from chat logs, social media channels, reviews, uh, surveys. Uh, we can make the AI behave like a user at some point in the future somewhere, uh, which then don't have to run user tests anymore because you just let AI see your website. I mean, it's not there yet. Uh, that's but who incredible. Knows where, who knows where you go? Who knows? You're going to the moon there, Ruben. That's, that's, that's <laughs> really cool. So having AI generate visitor behavior on a pre-prod and having them go through your entire website or your entire product and, and pinpoint different behaviors. That's cool. I'm not sure if we'll get there, but it's, it's, it's fun to Maybe. think about this. And, and I think sure. the main advice now would be start using it and, and start using it at your work to see what comes up with. In most cases, not perfect yet, but 
for instance, I think one of the most important research sources in our line of work and most underrated is, is scientific research because there's so much knowledge there, but it takes time. We don't like to read a lot of articles. It's hard to find the right articles. Just see what AI comes up with when you ask ChatGPT. It's not, we probably won't get the best articles or the best drivers to purchase your product, but it will give you inspiration at least. And, and just get yes. used to working with AI because the pace it, it goes, it goes faster and faster. I don't think AI will replace a lot of our jobs, but I think people who use AI will replace people who don't use AI in a couple of years from now. So yes. get used to it have I, fun and have fun. Get used to it and have fun. I agree with you because there is that kind of fear at the moment. Oh, it's going to replace jobs. I think it's just going to replace the way jobs are done. I think yeah. the human element is still there. You still need the insight, the creativity. You still have context. Um, you know, for example, let's take chat, chat GPT. The success of it is really based on the prompts you give it and how you structure yeah. the, the evolution of these prompts. So you yep. still have, you still need a person behind that's thinking, oh, how do I get the information I'm actually trying to get to instead of, you know, thinking that you can just put a question and, you know, copy paste the answer. It's not really like that. So I think at the beginning, it's been creating some fear. I think the more you explore it, the more you look into it, you realize actually, no, this is just another tool to help me change the way I'm working, exactly. which exactly. is, I think that's what's cool. It's cool about it. Yeah. It's, it helps you be efficient in a lot of those kind of tedious tasks as well, yeah. where it's, you know, evaluating, grouping data, structuring data, that kind of thing, especially uh, verbal feedback, you know, that kind of, as you said, chat messages, um, customer, customer service uh, requests, problems, everything that comes in through those human channels and being able to process it, structure it. I was recently on a webinar where we were talking about you know, leveraging AI for that. And so companies now being able to maybe export, extract all their chat information on their website, or even just their, their customer service logs yep. for like yes. doing that on a regular basis. Imagine being able to crunch uh, one month's worth of data in one hour and being able to be reactive or even one week's worth. What were the topics yeah. of the week uh, on our website or on our product? And let's address them right away instead of waiting you know, six months for a research report to come out and then give us insights about what was happening on the website. Uh, exactly, exactly. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah there, there, fantastic. there's so much to look forward to. And I think I'm really looking forward to everything that AI will bring uh, in saving time, but also optimizing the experimentation process. So talking a lot about AI and how it will impact the way we work, right? So we're really talking about you know, us as builders and marketers and copywriters and designers so on and so forth. What about customers on the other side, on the receiving end? How do you think AI will affect customers or users? <laughs> Good question. Yeah, in, in, I mean, the goal should always be uh, for builders, the goal should always be outcome driven, right? Uh, sure. create better products for our customers faster to hopefully make a positive impact on their lives. Uh, yeah. I think the data, the data side is going to be absolutely vital. The privacy data side for the customer. Uh, itself. Sure. Uh, yeah. There are probably a lot of people worried about that part. Of course, the safety of AI, I hope the real AI builders will definitely be careful with what AI can do or could potentially do to us as humans, humanity. But yeah, for me, it's always outcome driven, always making better products faster to help people have a richer and, and, and healthier and happier life. Yeah. And I think also, I mean, let's hope, you know, AI, I mean, I think there are always risks with every, everything we learn from those, those uh, risks. If you look at 
um, when social media became social media before, you know, yeah. there were risks in social media, right? Yeah. Obviously there's a lot of data, you know, we, we remember Cambridge Analytic, Analytica, I think that was the name yeah, of the company exactly. with, face, with Facebook uh, and, you know, all the, all the, the problems around, you know, data and privacy infringement and, and so on and so forth. So we, we go through those technology evolutions and we learn from them. We build policy, we build, you know, different, different approaches. I think this will probably be the same, yep. but I also think it will change customers' behaviors too, because if companies start being more efficient, right? Because this is supposed to help you go faster in a lot of ways. That's what it, what it's doing. I think customers will have higher expectations about reactivity, about products react and be really relevant, more relevant than they have to be already. They're going to be that much more demanding, I think, because there will be this, this inflated speed, this acceleration on all fronts that we're going to start experiencing over the next, in the trans transition period, probably the next 12 months or more. And, and then I think that will be reflected down in the customer experiences and, and the way the customer perceives the different, you know, the way they, they live and they consume. Um, so I think that there will be a, a marked expectation increase from customers. That's, that's my prediction. <laughs> no, that's a good one. I, I think that we could, could be pretty accurate and maybe, uh, let's say you should have fun with it and just think about it. maybe, maybe three, three years from now, we will not have websites anymore because everyone will just have an AI app on their phone and say, I need to buy this and AI will buy it for you. Um, so maybe a website <laughs> yeah. with only AI, uh, AI apps on it to uh, purchase stuff. Who knows? And then optimization becomes very different all of a sudden. Oh my goodness. Oh my God. You have these great ideas. I, I bet there are <laughs> a bunch of people here that are going to go out and start experimenting now and thinking of uh, startup ideas right, right after this, <laughs> this podcast. No, seriously. And, and it's incredible. Every day I'm, I'm looking at social media, I'm looking at online media, and it's just one innovation after the other after the other yeah. so it's such an exciting time right now and for experimentation i think it's just the best thing since uh sliced bread <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> since, since they started making websites <laughs> exactly yeah. but exactly. yeah it's, it's going really fast and like i said just just yeah have fun with it uh, try it uh, you'll quickly learn how to write better prompts uh, used in your work but also maybe in your personal life like Yesterday night, my girlfriend and I didn't feel like doing grocery shopping, but we still had a bunch of ingredients. I just put it in ChatGPT and said, this, these are my ingredients. You are a cook. Write me a good meal. And we had an excellent meal. That's brilliant. Fun. That's just brilliant. fun with it. That's, yeah. that's, that's incredible. That's actually such a great idea. I, I bet all of us at some point during the week or during the month have only these random ingredients in our fridge. Exactly. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so it's a really good way to, to make sure that you can, you can use those. Awesome idea. I'm going to try that. Ruben, it's been a pleasure discussing with you and exchanging on all these topics. Thank you so much for sharing all your insights. It's been really interesting to talk about your experiences and how mature organizations, how to get in there, how to start, how to work with uh, management. Um, and this AI topic, I think you have a ton of ideas. So <laughs> I'm really excited what's going to come from you uh, on experimentation. But again, thank you so much for, for being here with us today. And for those of you listening, please uh, check out Ruben on, on LinkedIn. We will share his information. If you want to reach out to him, you have questions about optimization, want to work with uh, online dialogue, definitely reach out to Ruben. Uh, thank you everyone for listening today. And until next time, thank you. Thank you. And there you have it. Thank you so much for spending time with us. If you're looking for more insights on experimentation, be sure to subscribe to the 1000 Experiments Club wherever you get your podcast. 
Thank you for listening and see you next time.